So at the Super Bowl yesterday, right about the 50-yard line, 10 rows up, is a guy completely decked out in Patriot gear. And this guy's got to be pushing 80, maybe even a little older. And next to him, empty seat. And the people around him didn't think anything of it. You know, people file in, but at the anthem and as the game started, there's, there's nobody there. And finally, the guy next to him, you know, had asked at one point, it's like, hey, you got a, you got a buddy coming or something? He goes, no, it's, you know, my wife and I got these tickets, you know, a year ago. And uh, she's not here. And then, oh, and the guy's like, thinking, it's a couple beers. And he goes, hey, so, you know, your wife getting in a fight? Why isn't she here? And he goes, well, she she passed away. And the guy just, you know, shrinks down like in the Flintstone episode where Frank gets berated and he's tiny, tiny. And anyway, so he feels bad. But as the game goes on and the guy has a few more beers, he's like, dude, this seat has to be like five or six grand. How come you didn't, you know, call a relative or call a friend? He goes, well, I, I, I did. I called everybody. They're all at a funeral. <laughs> Timely. <laughs> hey, I am Jacques. I'm Joe. And welcome to Carnival Personnel. And uh and Joe, um, not a lot of people by February have kept up with the New Year's resolution. You're publicly calling for more ethnic cleansing. Um, and the fact you weren't gonna do that as much. Congratulations. I hardly hear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joe said he wasn't going to have time to edit the podcast today, so I was debating, do I congratulate him on being less racist or just, you know, less grabby, grabby feeling at the supermarket? Yeah. So. Uh-huh. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Look, oh, the luck on it. But anyways, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so this, this past week, a couple times, I took screen grabs of either text messages that I've gotten from friends like All-Star Tommy uh, or, or, or our friend John. In Austin, making reference to the show, if you guys could like Facebook or or tweet at Joe or the show, so he there's probably a good reason why they don't do such no. things. Yeah, well, no, they don't they want... like to remain anonymous. Or but but but, but I, I swear to Joe that it's more than just us sitting in his basement and me the next day listening to it at the gym. <laughs> you know, listening. But thank you guys. Oh, seriously, feedback and it was great. Like like John like liked your ready for football thing and noted that uh, Mystery Science Theater had used it. Uh, Tommy had actually requested a. Uh, 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 a podcast regarding Mario handheld game. Oh, well, he can do his own fucking podcast. <laughs> no, he needs somebody who really... Tommy doesn't play all the Mario handheld <laughs> games, and he's reaching out to the nerd community, you, to, to really bring him up to speed on what's the latest in Mario. I'll think about it. Uh, okay, I'll do it. Thank, thank you. So, uh, uh, we are, I, I can tell you exactly, so da, 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 as Joe and I record this podcast, we are exactly one hour, no, one, one day, day, three hours, 37 minutes, and 40 seconds away from the kickoff of the Super Bowl, which we know, because we have a time machine, and the Patriots won 38 to 17. Uh, so uh, when we talk about that later, you know, yes, I'm probably going to look, wow, he really nailed it, or what a, what a, what a right. schmuck. No, you, wouldn't, you won't even care because you will have been in the fetal position for, you know, right. a good 24, 48 hours. There'll be a good radio silence from, you know, tomorrow night till... Whenever. Yeah, until the, you know, draft. So uh, there's a couple things before we get into the fun stuff. You know, uh, Joe is as tired of the Russian crap as I am as everybody else is. I'm also tired of these high prices. 
<laughs> and it is. It's so draining. And the biggest thing we've talked about is fighting apathy. Because apathy! Trump and apathy! Is, is that Barry Gibb over there? <laughs> Justin Timberlake. He's so good. <laughs> they, <laughs> who, who is my favorite? Of all my, my favorite Gibb? Right. Of all the Gibb brothers, my favorite Gib. Oh, yeah. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, rest in peace, Justin Timberlake. That was a tragic halftime half-time show. That, oh my that, god, who would have? Wow, we, you know who we would have much rather a, a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, that was un, uh, un, unexpected. But any, anywho, <laughs> so this this week. For the last week plus on Fox News and from Blotus and from the GOP, they had the absolute secret memo that got leaked out, you know, from the FBI showing that the Russian thing was a complete scam, that this is going to blow their lid off of it. And it's going to make the Russian thing go away. It's going to give, you know, Blotus the clear reason for the to remove Rosenstein from uh from overseeing the Mueller investigation that will then give him the complete legitimacy to not only fire Mueller, but bring Mueller up on charges for this sham. And there was fighting and even in fighting, even, you know, and I hate to I hate when I have to give him credit because then he turns around the next week and does something worse. But even John McCain came out and said, this is horrible. And, and it all revolves around long story short, um, a Pfizer, you know, a Pfizer warrant, on a you know on a close inner circle Trump you know Trump advisor during his whole campaign who was under a Pfizer warrant and basically that is you know double secret probation like there there are very 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 little media leaks and, and public leaks about who's under a Pfizer warrant how a Pfizer warrant you know when a Pfizer warrant is obtained and and this particular one had been renewed they're only for 90 days have been renewed three times you know twice before the election and once after the election and it's like because the Russians uh, the Trump people were saying that the dossier was a reason for the whole Russian investigation and this internal memo led to it and that's what they were running with and it's one of those things where Democrats and even a few Republicans were saying if you 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 you're literally burning the city to the ground like if you are completely again going to war with the FBI the entire community the intelligence community and more importantly the process that the intelligence community operates on. And, and like, you know, when he was bragging, you know, when he had uh, uh, the Russian ambassador in the White House about this this information they got about this terror raid through, through it turned out to be the Israel's, like, secret service. It's like other secret services around the world will not share information because now you're putting their – well, people can backtrack. Oh, if this is where you heard it from, they must have got this information from this guy. And you're you're outing other agencies' ways of doing things. So anyway – and then again, Nunes was the guy who you remember like six months ago. It was that big thing. He made a big statement about – that there's secret, you know, this information that he just got to light that he had to run to the White House, and that's when he got caught going there at midnight, and it turned out, no, his briefcase was empty going there. They gave him the talking points that he came back with, and then it was discovered. It's like, this came, you know, Donald Trump shouldn't have taken a picture signing this information, <laughs> giving it to you. Anyway, so the memo comes out, and it, the it... it, it before it came out, Schumer and some other people said, okay, I read the document when we got it in our in our Senate hearings. It came out through the congressional hearings on Russia. That's why it's not supposed to be leaked. When people give the testimony and all this stuff, it's supposed to be behind closed doors. So the memo that was actually released, Nunes made 
substantive changes in. Like he rewrote some of the stuff. So it's like, and 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 when it, at the bottom when it said signed by Epstein's mother, <laughs> I think that was my clue that this might not be legitimate. But the last paragraph, the thing that you know was going to blow the whole roof off, it actually says that this fire was a warrant. Um, was issued before the Trump dossier came out. It, it, it actually, un- the last paragraph in the memo, this going to blow the whole roof off it memo, they forgot to take that part out. Like, like if you're going to white out one thing, the one thing that complete, and everybody's saying it's like Trump truly, and, and this is the scariest thing, didn't read any of the memo, didn't read the memos about the memos. He truly gets his talking points from Fox News. And so because Fox News has been saying this is going to blow the lid off everything, he's willing to completely dismantle, you know, the FBI, the CIA, all of this. And, and they are. They're like, this is going to give him not only the reason to fire Mueller, Mueller sorry, but, but to actually bring him up on charges. And it turned out to be nothing. But again, with the Russia, and I'm tired of it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to get back to more fart and poopy jokes. This past week, three different heads – of Russia's three, their FBI, their CIA, their Homeland Security, the heads of their three main agencies, um, agencies were all in Washington, D.C., all together, all at the same time. One of these heads of the agency, because of of the whole Crimea thing and because of U.N. sanctions and stuff, legally is not allowed in the United States. The only way he can be in the United States if, if – Rex Tillerson himself signs off on it. Not like, yeah, it's fine. He can come here. Actually has to sign documents saying he can come in the United States. Nobody, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Carnival personnel, nobody had broken the story. But again, the proof that, that Putin is the most genius chess master out there and laughing at you. He got all these people in here, and then the Russian news organization not only talks about it, shows pictures of them together in D.C. And it's just like, oh, so when 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 the ambassador from Russia in the midst of all this goes to the White House and the only let in the Russian media, and then they post pictures from in the Oval Office, and Trump's like, well, they said they weren't going to do it. Oh, so you trust Russian spy agencies. But this past week, nobody's talked about that until – it just came out that, oh, by the way, if anybody wants to tune into Russian, you know, state-run media, here's all the pictures of the three different heads of their biggest spy agencies in D.C. at the same time at the guest of this administration without telling anybody. That's not suspicious. We need a wall. <laughs> Build the, the wall. Yeah. Build we got the, the wrong Build target. the wall. So, but, but you know, I, I like, so, so literally, it's like, I, I, I'm trying not to throw my hands up and say, what the fuck? But it's true. The whole sowing dissension with our own, like, intelligence agencies hosting there. I mean, Putin is doing, like, his game plan without firing a missile. He has completely done everything that they wanted in the maturity candidate. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they truly, truly, the whole Putin puppet thing isn't a joke. And I don't know how much. And that's the thing. It's like, we don't want to talk about that all the time. But no one's talking about these things because everybody has had it. And, and it doesn't matter. Right. Now, if Putin and the Russian spies were porn stars, for example, like that would make the news. Like they would be guests on Jimmy Kimmel. They would. Yes. They, they, they from, from Meet the Press to Jimmy Kimmel. But, you know, 
But and, and more and before you know, Joe gets out the Trump whistle and more great news. Um, oh, I forgot about the Trump. This thanks this staggering amount of they they've had like three times, like literally three times the number of defections, firings, people stepping down from the highest highest ranking administration positions and a year under Blotus than in the first term of Obama. This week, you had the head of the CDC having to resign because after going through the confirmation process, after taking the job at the CDC, it turns out she is heavily invested in tobacco stocks. Oh. So, so the, the head of the agency that is supposed to let's uh, not help people kill themselves, right? Uh, it turns out that's uh, – what 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 we with them there call a conflict of interest, Joseph? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I forget what CDC stands for. Uh, Center of Disease Control. Uh, right now, is smoking a disease? Is it is it is it a plague it's not on really society? A disease, no, o- only only the single most preventable um, cause of death in our country. Uh huh. Well, you know, it's alternative facts. <laughs> I think, and then also, and like we've talked, the fact. That we that that so many uh, of the positions, like the ambassador positions around the world, haven't been filled, and there's been so many resignations. With, with I don't know, where do you rank the North Korea conflict with us on the scale of oh fuck, <laughs> you know? It's pretty up there. And I would we, say so. And we don't have an ambassador, and we haven't had an ambassador the entire time. Blotus has been in the White House. Well, you know, we just got to go to our, you know. Farm teams and, 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 <laughs> and get and, our and the guy who who was supposed to you know be confirmed to take it uh, says no he he's back down and the reason he doesn't want it is the Trump administration approach to North Korea is the highest risk to U.S. security he said and he doesn't want to be part of it he resigned well you got to get the job before you resign but he has withdrawn from consideration saying no I can't be part of this. Uh, how many withdrawn from considerations does that make for Trump potential appointees? Six fourteen. <laughs> I don't know the exact number, but it's. Great. I don't know that shit. <laughs> Got to keep it real. Real dumb. Uh, and th- and then again, like you know, Ben Carson, who, if you've ever heard him talk for more than like forty five seconds, you either want to shoot yourself or think this guy's a brain surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who's head of the HUD, uh, turns out that he was told specifically in writing, uh, hey, there's some conflicts with your children running businesses that are in direct um, uh, the beneficiary of of programs that you are initiating. Right. Um, oh, is that another conflict of interest? And, and, it, and again, it's just the pure money grab. Like, like all, It's one of those things where big functions that they're having are being like hosted by like companies that like you know the let's say you know it's not this but you know to dumb it down for me like you can't hire them as the case you can't have a oh we're going to have this big function and my son's going to cater it and we're going to pay him twice as much but that's essentially and as these things were happening he was warned in writing it's like hey knock this stuff off which he in true trump confession has been like no no, I'm just gonna, and 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 until somebody comes and drags me from this post, I'm going to keep milking it for all I have. So the whole drain the swamp thing is uh, fake, a lie, a con. I mean, this is like the dumb Ocean's Eleven. Like this is a big heist. It, it, it orange eleven. 
<laughs> and the thing is, you know, uh, they're doing it in plain sight. Like they're not. There's a big fuck you to the public. And then, um, and, and the people who are getting fucked the most are the ones cheering the loudest for them. Yeah. Well, you know, therein lies the folly of the United States of America <laughs> right now. So, I mean, it is. And, and anyways, on, 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 a, on a much more chapter note. All right. Just to make it official. There we go. So, so again, as we know, yesterday, Super Bowl, but we're not going to talk too much about that in this part. What I want to talk about, what's, what I've gone back and forth with being upset and delighted about is Radio Row in, uh, in Minnesota this week. Oh, first of all, a correction uh, that was pointed out by All-Star Tommy, like when we had talked about, oh, I guess I had mentioned last week, you know, had... Um, that the Vikings had never made it to the Super Bowl. They have. They've made it four times. Just like the Bills, four-time losers. Mm-hmm. Like me with wives. What? I'm talking in the future. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One down, three to go. Yeah, huh? Uh, most days I'm thinking two down, two to go. But hey, <laughs> it, they ain't over yet. Um, oh, what if she's listening? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a joke on carnival personnel. <laughs> oh, so, anyways, but the but the thing that that upsets Pat's fans and me, or, or people like me, is the the absolute Illuminati, the moon landing never happened, Kennedy assassination, uh, craziness of the Patriot cheating stories. And there's so many microphones out there, and there's so many either bitter ex-coaches, players, you know, experts on how the Patriots have cheated their way through X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, and it's great. It's like there are some people who, you know, uh, you know, with the Rams in 2001 who are convinced – and again, we've talked about this, who they, they, they taped the walkthrough. Spygate had nothing to do with taping practices. That was a compl- – had nothing to do with Spygate. But it's one of those things where people hear one part of something and they extrapolate to the umpteenth level. And what I liked is uh, – Kurt Warner had said, well, the rumor that came out is that they taped our walkthrough. And our walkthrough the day before the Super Bowl, all we did was red zone offense. We got into the red zone one time, we scored a touchdown. So if they taped that practice, it had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. You know, um, so you do. You have voices of reason. You know, um, assuming that the Patriots win the Super Bowl tomorrow, from the point that Deflategate happened, that, that one moment of time where they intercepted the ball, since that moment in time, the Patriots have won two, hopefully three, Super Bowls, and the one year that they didn't win the Super Bowl, they lost by two points in the AFC Conference title game in Denver. Uh-huh. Uh, that would make them 9-1 and one in the playoffs. Uh, Brady, two, possibly three-time you know, Super Bowl MVP. And this is after Deflategate, after the balls are properly inflated. Uh, each of the last four seasons, they've won 13-plus games. Or after Brady got used to the balls, man. Yeah. So, look... I, I say this in all honesty, you know, if those balls were were not properly inflated, I'm pissed because if he's this good with properly inflated balls, but you know, one of the great things is Barstool Sports, who, as again, I look at Joe over his right shoulder, I see the Goodell clown uh, towel proudly displayed. Uh, Daquan Jackson is the linebacker for the Colts who intercepted the ball 
and allegedly he intercepted the ball, noticed it, felt, you know, underinflated. Than the average ball. Took it to the sideline and gave it to the trainers who then called the NFL who was in the building, you know, for for the game to come downstairs and weigh it and all this stuff. And he he was on Barstool, you know, yesterday and or on Friday, flat out saying that never happened. Like nobody on the training staff called anybody. I never said anything about it. It's a lot of people have since been thrown on the bus. And he goes, and what upsets me the most is my name is used all the time. The linebacker who caught the ball and noticed it was soft. Um, the Wells the Wells investigation dragged on 18 months. They had hundreds of people testify and question and come in. I never got a phone call. I never got a text message. There was never an email. Nobody from the NFL, nobody from the Wells investigation ever came to me to verify any of this. And he and he he is the biggest one out there saying Deflategate didn't happen. Deflategate was a complete scam. It never happened. It and he said, and he feels bad because you know the the lower employees, like the training staff and their assistants, who have been dragged through this and questioned and stuff like that, uh, whose name has come up in, in in these different reports and these different you know sightings of this. Nothing. Like nobody on the Colts training staff, he said, or himself, uh, Deflategate didn't happen. It was a complete, complete. You know, sham. That's that's his words, and, and you know, it's it's you can. It's not. Oh, I read him say this. This is him with a mic sitting there talking to Point Noy from Barstools talking about it. But all week long, you go down, and some of my favorite ones are like, oh, well, they were famous for you know teams the day before the game would leave their playbook behind and the Patriots would go through it. Let's say that happened, Joe. What, what, what your thoughts? Let, let's say that happened. You want my thoughts? Yeah. On yeah. something that I barely was paying attention to you talking about just <laughs> no, now? No, but if, a t- if Team A says, we left our play sheet on the table at the lunchroom where both teams were at a facility and they picked it up and read it. And they cheated. Right. <laughs> exactly. Shame on um, whom? Right. And so you – so and that's and that was some of the – you know, and there was one you know, one guy from uh, the Steelers who was saying, you know, from a few years ago saying, well, they just cheated better than us that day. It's like, oh, how did you cheat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, everybody does X, Y, and Z. It's like, okay. So, oh, really? So, spy, I mean, and that's the whole thing. With Spygate, the whole thing wasn't that they were taping the other team's signals because – Everybody stands on the sideline, and, and Belichick finally said a year ago, the guy standing on the sideline in front of 80,000 people using hand signals. It's uh-huh. like everybody, you know, and you could tape things like that. What they did is they they, they were spo- – you're supposed to tape up – the year before, people taped from the ground. You could tape f- from up in the press box, but you couldn't have a camera down on the field. They changed that rule the year before, and that was Bill Belichick being a complete asshole saying, hey, fuck you. You know, this is how we've done it. This is how we're going to do it, NFL. And a million years didn't think it was going to be be what it was. And again, you know, because that happened, it, it, it was a catalyst. But all week listening to players from every team that the Patriots beat in the playoffs making a living by still going on these other shows talking about, you know who doesn't complain about the Patriots? Who? Giants fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, because we are owned by them. So, officially. so you know, it's like we it, should be a subsidiary of the Giants I, for I, at least those two seasons. You know, and it's like, so I guess the Patriots weren't cheating those days, and that's why they didn't win, or they weren't cheating really good, or were the Giants just cheating better? 
Right. So no, but, I think it's just that the Patriots found the true meaning of Super Bowl those years, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, their heart grew three times that day. I, I think honestly, to to be just to be a, more of a prick. I almost said to be a prick, but like, to be more of a prick. Uh, from now on, we should refer to everybody in Boston media. You know. The, the people that actually get listened to that have audience should always say like, yes, the greatest receiver in history is Jerry Stickham Rice because Jerry Rice had admitted to using Stickham. Same thing. From now on, his full name or when you talk about him, it should be Peyton Kraut Noise Manning because the Colts, while he was there, got you know got busted. Um, the same year that the, the, the Flategate started, the Vikings got busted because – they, they, at the time, were in an outdoor stadium. It was between their two domes being built, and for two seasons, they had to use the University of Minnesota's outdoor stadium for their games. They were warming their balls. Hello. Uh, no, they had heaters that they were putting the balls in, in between plays, that they got popped. And it's like, you can't do that. It, like they were, And look, they were playing games in minus temperatures. I don't fault them for doing it, but they did get popped, and they had to pay the league equipment tampering maximum fine of $25,000. But You know, all those teams that you mentioned suck. And that's why they don't get pegged, or there's not a big deal made about their particular cheating. So, but, but the Colts, but Jerry Rice, you oh, know, I'm sorry, Jerry Rice, and, and the Colts won a Super Bowl. They went to two Super Bowls with Manning. You know, there. doesn't matter. They suck, man. Right. So, but that's the thing. Uh, but but you know, just sticking with the Pats only for another second. Uh, we or did I have it down there later? No. Um, Thirty for Thirty came out with. Um, the Two Bills, which is one of the better, interesting sports documentaries. Uh, Bill Parcells. And Bill Bradley. And- <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go shag some balls, Bradley? <laughs> we will get to the National Hand Prune Radio Hour. Just just let me have this. Go ahead. And so, no, but it is. It's it's a great, it's a great documentary. They talk to all these players and all these coaches. Um and it, and it is. It's like the, the the drama that the Patriots are going through right now with Kraft, Brady, and Belichick is dwarfed by what went on. I mean, because when Parcells left New England, it was ugly. I mean, it was really, really ugly. And it's a shame because like a season or two before Parcells comes to the Patriots, the Patriots were moving to St. Louis. St. Louis? No, Navin Johnson. And so they uh, – but they were. I mean – Parcells coming here took a dead franchise, um, and and then it was you know uh, uh, Bledsoe who you know is a five hundred quarterback, but was hands down the best quarterback that the Patriots had ever had. Sorry, Grogan. Uh, so, uh, but seriously, the, he saved the franchise. He truly, truly did. But things went sideways. Kraft was not the same owner he was. Well, this year he became that owner again, stepping in and making personnel decisions. But when Belichick, uh, when when Parcells left, it was it was ugly. In the week of the Super Bowl, we talked about this against Green Bay. Everybody knew he was leaving. He didn't even fly the team plane home um, from Green Bay, and you know, and that was that was a uh, you know um, interesting on the documentary. It's like. He hated the Patriots so much. Parcells hated the Patriots so much that when he was with the Jets, um, Belichick was his 
co co coach. Like it was, you know, he wasn't an offensive defensive coordinator, and it was in writing that the day that Parcells moves to GM or the president of the team, that automatically, automatically, Bill Belichick becomes head coach of the New York Jets. Well, it turned out that. Uh, this was a couple years later. Um, the Crafts liked Bill Belichick in '96 when he was with the team and interviewed him. This is right after Cleveland. He went, you know, left Parcells, went to Cleveland. Actually, did a pretty good job. I mean, people don't understand what an amazing, uh, not amazing, but a very, very good job he actually did in Cleveland. He like, well, he didn't have a winning record. Uh, he it's did. Cleveland. He did make one playoff game. In which he beat Bill Parcells, <laughs> New England Patriots. <laughs> so. Uh, but so I guess a fax went through saying that they— For you millennials out there, a fax— That—because, <laughs> that, you know, to request talking to—you know, to, to requesting to talk to Bill Belichick. Belichick never saw the, the fax come through, but the guy who saw it, who is a longtime Bill assistant who is, became GM and is one of the greatest football minds, Napoleon, saw it. It got taken right to uh, Parcells. Parcells then instantly resigns as head coach and becomes team president, which automatically, because of the contract, makes Bill Parcells that way that they couldn't take him. Because, well, officially, you know, they could say, they said, well, we never got this fax, so he automatically becomes head coach. And that's why Bill, Bill Belichick was head coach of the New York Jets for one day. And then he resigned. He just wrote on a napkin, I resign as HC of the New York Jets, Bill Belichick, and, and turned that in. We're out of cornflakes, F you. The, the single greatest, <laughs> A, the greatest line in any Neil Simon thing ever, and the name of my personal favorite video album by a 90s Boston band. But we digress. The, we do. But anyways, I, I suggest watching that. Um, any um, time, Tom vs. Time talk? Because that's all like the regular news so, sports so, media wants to talk about. So here's the, here's the thing. It's like the Patriots go well out of the way, and they're lauded for... Not not being distracted and not causing distraction. Nobody coming out saying we're going to win this game. You know, no calling their own shots because people always, you know, it's 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 really famous. It's like uh, you you've seen this footage over and over. The last time the Patriots played the Eagles in the Super Bowl, the night before the the breakdown and the team talk. And, and and if you haven't seen this video, it's been on other documentaries. Bill Belichick comes in with a copy of the New York, uh, whatever Philadelphia newspaper Eagles, is. Yeah. The, what what, what the, the big Eagle. Philadelphia yeah. you know newspaper is. And it had the parade route laid out for... If the Eagles won the Super Bowl, this is a parade route. And he took there's a dry erase board and he maps out the parade route that the Eagles had already, you know, come up with for you know for uh, winning the Super Bowl. And that's the whole thing. And he's like, So the parade's gonna start at three. You might wanna get there if you wanna see it. You're gonna wanna <laughs> get there early. Like just completely monotone, but that was his breath. But they talk about stuff like that, like not causing distractions. And as we've talked a number of times, I was wrong. I was wrong. You know, management says I never when I was wrong. Joe, I was 100% wrong. You and I on this podcast have talked about in five years, Brady's over-the-top, um, TB12 facilities, 
Tony Robbins, you know, pep talk, and this is how everybody should live their life. You Mr. Know. Motivation, Mr. Inspiration, Mr. Perspiration. Very scientific. Actually, the guy who narrated his uh, his TB12 book, like he 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 read parts oh, of his book. book yeah. The actual audio book was the same guy who does the audio for Scientology. I mean, Ooh. that's yeah, it's coincidence. <laughs> and so we. Uh, so we said, you know, five years after he gets done, he's going to be so insufferable. You know, the countdown to hating Brady. I do not hate Tom Brady, but this really, this time versus Tom versus time now, now a six-part series that you started releasing, and the and the time between the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. This is the best time for this. Well, maybe it's all part of the master plan because nobody's talking about the actual Patriots. Nobody's talking about, you know, what their potential offensive uh, strategies might be. You know, nobody's really talking about the ins and outs of the team itself. Everybody's focused on the bullshit, which is fine. Well, it's it's funny. It's okay. It's interesting that you say that because a couple weeks ago, that big article about the infighting, about trading Jimmy Garoppolo by Wickersham, so many people are saying... The Patriots don't have these leaks. And I guess Belichick is famous for if I think if he thinks an underlink is like leaking information out, like too buddy buddy with this media outlet or that media outlet, we'll tell one person, Yeah, with we're thinking about moving this guy, you know, off the practice squad and calling this person up and, and moving this guy down. And if it shows up in the paper or something the next day, the one person he told, he knows that that leaked out to. So some of these things that were in that Wickersham article came from, you know, the calls coming from inside the house. <laughs> uh, and people were like, is, and again, uh, getting, you know, on the same line with so many teams, s- the Steelers are so convinced that they're being cheated every time they pay the play the Patriots. It's in their head. Like, it, the Patriots. Can you blame them after that game, though? That was such a bullshit non-catch call. I mean, that's. We're not going to belabor the. If you slowed the tape down to 1,000 speed per minute and you see that that ball did for that nanosecond, yes, it's bullshit. It's completely (laughs) bullshit. But, anyways, but yeah, the the Steelers are paranoid. But my favorite meme is after the Steelers lost the playoff game, there's a guy in a Steeler hat pointing to his head, making the think about it sound. He's like, they can't can't cheat you if you don't play them. Right. (laughs) Think about it. So. But the Steelers. But, but no, but, but. But so many people have it in their head, and it's the same thing. I mean, people are giving Bill Belichick credit for he is the greatest coach and one of the greatest GMs and one of the greatest football uh, minds and one of the greatest evaluators of talent. There's so many people that we've talked about that were cast off from our other team. We can name five people on this team. We can name five guys who will probably go to the Hall of Fame, like a Mike Vrabel, who was on the Steelers team for three years on the practice squad, never gets any playing time, comes to the Patriots, and one of our greatest linebackers of all time. You know, Wes Welker, a cast off from Miami, one catch away from being Hall of Anyways, um, and, and people were saying, was this Belichick leaking this stuff out to create this friction in order to galvanize a team? It's like, if, you know, it's like, well, we got to circle the wagons. Like, Tom and I don't hate each other, uh-huh. and Kraft didn't make me trade Garoppolo. It's like, but if we put this all out there and it's, we, look, it, you know, you, it, we got to create the circle the wagon environment. We got to make the us versus the world thing. We got to just, and it's the same thing, maybe with Tom versus time, but it has been a distraction because, 
for anybody, it's it's made the national news. And like the second episode, his daughter was kind of I, I I won't watch it, but being a handful and one of the local radio personalities on the station that Tom Brady does a Monday morning interview every Monday of the season. W e e i said uh, she was being a little pissant. And so that that was said like on a Thursday morning, and then you know they had their, their Monday morning, the Monday morning, and with with Tom Brady, he calls in and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not sure I'm doing interviews with you guys anymore." I've always been respectful with you guys, and I've always tried to have a good relationship, and uh, I'm just a, you know disappointed, and you know maybe we'll we'll do this again sometime. Click, and he just hangs up. <clears throat> now, was do you think he overreacted? Do you think? Um, you know, or do you think he's just sort of sending a message like, "Look, this is bullshit." I mean, regardless of whether or not the actual hosts of the Monday Morning Show, the main guys, said the remark, or if it was just some, you know, some Saturday afternoon or Thursday night. Right, right. I mean, I mean, this this was truly a guy who has a weekend show, young, twenty five. The kid's twenty five, and he do, and he just started doing the Friday morning show, like an hour, whatever. Yeah, no, it was a stupid statement. You're not supposed to talk about other people's kids and stuff like. And then, but the but it's keeping the focus on the Patriots and being a distraction. You knew as soon as Brady got there, he was going to be asked about it, and of course he was asked by it. And he's like, "Look, I don't want the guy fired. You know, it was it was a comment that shouldn't have been made." And Kids are supposed to be out of it, but I don't want the guy to lose his job or so. But it did. It becomes a distraction. And it's the same thing. Now, let's go back a year ago, Joseph. You you tell our, our, our friends listening. You tell the people tuned in here now. Can you break down my reaction, and I think you can do it, to the commercial that aired Instantly after the Super Bowl. You're talking about the Shield MRI commercial. I'm talking about the Shield MRI commercial, Tom Brady. I'll try. This is my impersonation of Jacques reacting to the updated Shield MRI commercial. Didn't know it was updated. That that Jacques did not know was up. Let's update. (laughs) That's sort of like a Folgers Choice commercial. We've taken the original Shield MRI commercial with Tom Brady with four Super Bowl rings and we updated it with the new one with five Super Bowl rings. Let's see what Jacques thinks. That was Jacques reacting to an updated Shield MRI commercial after the last Super Bowl. So, for those of you who didn't see the commercial because it airs locally, Shield MRI is a, is a local healthcare company. Obviously, they do MRIs. And the commercial that ran all season is, you know, the, the commercial opens. It's a waiting room. Some kid sitting next to his mom reading like a little Sports Illustrated type thing. And the kid is just, mom's reading a magazine, the kid is just staring off to the side, like, like eyes wide, like a cartoon eyes. And it's just Tom Brady sitting there, and the receptionist says, oh, Tom, they're ready for you. And he's like, uh, and he comes up to the front desk, and um, she goes, oh, put any metal or jewelry in this little locker. And he holds up his hand, and he slowly takes off his, like, four Super Bowl rings, and he puts them in the locker, and... Um, and she says, uh, you know, she goes, is that it? He goes, that's it for now. And then it cuts to the logo. The Patriots win the Super Bowl. You know, the the like, like you know, the running back white overtime, the ball just breaks the plane. Confetti comes down. The first commercial up is a Shields commercial. And, you know, he takes off the ranks. And I say to Joe and my dad who are there, it's like, Oh, they're going to update the. They, they're going to have to update this commercial. And then when the the receptionist says, "Oh, is that it?" He goes, "Oh, 
I forgot about this one. And he pulls another ring out of his pocket. And goes, it's kind of new. And, and, and that was amazing. And Joe's reaction was exactly what I did. Now, here's the problem. What if they don't win that game? That goes on to the internet void. Or does he come out? And it's like, look at this asshole. Look at this asshole taking a victory lap. Because that would have surfaced. That that I wonder, because there's probably non-disclosure agreements for commercials. Because they've run alternate, like, you know, congratulations, Atlanta Falcons fans. Okay. You just won the Super Bowl. Okay. Let, me, let me ask you this, Joe. How long was the last Jedi? Was it the last Jedi? No. How long was Rogue One? In the theater, before you showed me the entire video on Facebook. Oh, it had been some time. No, what was the movie that was recent? No, was, no, was, was, was that? Was that okay. We were watching Rogue One. It hadn't. I think it had come. You know, you hadn't seen it because you had some things going on. Usually, you see things right away when Star Wars related, but for some reason, you hadn't seen it. But it had been months. Okay, let's give it that. It's months. How much money did they spend on Rogue One? (laughs) And who owns a Star Wars property? And and how guarded would that property have been? And how often do you find things on, like, is it Pirate Bay? Is the one that. Okay. So you got all these Pirate Bays out there showing movies that cost $200 million to make by the biggest studios. I've worked in the post side and the. The security that you have to sign off for, that you have to agree to, that, you know, back in the day when it was tape, like the studio would send somebody there to make sure that you weren't making extra dubs. And I'm telling you, for somebody who worked in the industry, the tape ops know that the guy's coming in and they would wire a deck to record in another room that unless the guy was tr- going up in the ceiling and tracing the wire to VHS. Yeah, that'd be a secret VCR recording. Four rooms down. So, so the fact is, Tom Brady does that commercial they win it's all good it it would have been a fucking huge embarrassment and it would have been rightfully so so my thing with tom versus time uh if they don't win this if they hadn't won the super bowl yesterday uh time won (laughs) you know and people are waiting for tom brady to meet his inevitable denies because you know father time is uh gay (laughs) <laughs> Undefeated. Oh, right. <laughs> Undefeated. Now, he could be gay too. He could be gay too, right. Can it be both? Right. So, so that's the thing. So that gets released this week. And that's so that's a, such an unpatriot thing is you're releasing the top, like the I'm so great. Oh, and the other controversy this week with Tom versus Time. I'm releasing a new documentary called Carnival per- Podcast versus Time. <laughs> Because we're at 42 minutes. Okay, okay, I'll wrap it up. Uh, the other big controversy this week with Tom versus Time, uh, he's getting his his massage from Alex Carrera. His son comes in and asks like if he can have some video game or something like this, and the dad says, "Well, what do I get?" And it's a typical sweet thing, you know. The kid oh, comes yeah. over and has to give him a kiss. He gives him a peck. He goes, "That's it," and the kid gives him another kiss on the lips, and the a full three second. No tongue kiss on the lips. And and the fact that we live in a place where that is at all, I mean, and I looked, I saw the clip of that because it made the news, and I thought, that's awesome. Because honestly, the fact that I have a 10-year-old who, when I drop him off at school and they open the door to get out, the, the crossing guard there, always gives me a kiss. Always. You know, I mean, he's been halfway out of the car. That's going to stop at one time. And until that stops, I'm going to take every kiss on the lips 
in public, at home, every hug, every I love you, everything like that. The fact that anybody had a problem with it, but people had a problem with it. And now that's something else that's being talked about this week. And the fact that, yes, this documentary, um, the 30 for 30, the two bills, is amazing. But this week? It would have it would have been just as great to release in a week from now, or a month from now. But but it's very unpatriot like. Uh, I will say, and just to wrap up the patriot talk, it was great. I was watching a news thing last night, an old clip from on the field, like you know, in the regular clothes, a couple hours after the Super Bowl, and there's a bunch of media people asking Tom Brady, you know, about it. And Troy Brown's right there, and a couple other pats is like, you know, and somebody turns to Troy Brown, it's like, you know, do you think he should have won the MVP? Because he was the MVP. He goes, oh yeah. He's definitely the MVP. And Tom Brady is like, no, I'm not the MVP. Could have been Troy. Could have been, you know, Ty. And he lists about like six, seven other players. And he's like, uh, he goes, no, nah, really, it should be an MVT because the most valuable team. And there's his teammates are like, I will run through a wall for this fucker. <laughs> and, and and literally, that's the Patriot way that I miss. Not that, and but they're both at the end of their careers, and they're both writing or rewriting, you know, well, it's it, Belichick making sure that the public record of his greatness is out there because it's the whole thing here. It's like eight Super Bowls together. Is it because of Belichick? Is it because of Brady? It's because of both. And last week against the Jaguars, it's the same thing. No quarterback could have had the comebacks that Brady has had, but no coach could have. Anyways, I'm done. Uh, I'm just looking at my phone. I have a new uh, sort of uh, Amazon store. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm getting tons of requests for a Patriots whistle, which is, <laughs> I don't know. I can't uh, can't deny right. the uh, demand. Well, well, why don't we go to a defunct sponsor of the week and come back for more Patriots talk. Now, it's here. The excitement. The adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings hangs together. For two crunches and every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C-3PO's. A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. So next on the rundown of sports, we got the Olympics coming up. We got the WHA coming up. We got the I don't give a fuck because there's more important things. Uh, let's are we skipping the video review and just going into video news? Uh, let's or do, do a little bit. No, we can't. We can't deny your favorite part of the it week. It is my favorite part of the week. All right. So are we talking video games now? Yeah. Go go because uh, well, this is huge. Oh yeah. Well, it's kind of huge. Uh, you were talking about conspiracies earlier with the Patriots and, you know, Deflategate and all of those things and how they had turned out to be, you know, shams and this and that. Great. Um, what's not spoken about enough is the boys club known as Twin Galaxies. Now, Robert, our friend Robert, who is our resident um, arcade Home aficionado. Arcade. <laughs> so he knows probably who Twin Galaxies are. Twin Galaxies is a group that was founded by a guy named Walter Day up in um, New Hampshire. Was it called Fun Spot? Um, <clears throat> they um, they are the arbiters of for thirty five years the arbiters of the world records for every video game and arcade game ever. You can uh, if you want to have your high score submitted. Back in the day, you know, a lot of the arcade games were just all about high scores. There was not like, you know, these 50-hour marathon uh, story modes and video games that you have now. It was just about, you know, getting the highest score. And if you wanted to get 
your highest score submitted and published in on their leaderboard or on their website or whatever, you would submit a screenshot or a video of your playing the game and getting obtaining the high score to Twin Galaxies. They would verify it and they would um, log it with your name in you know their Hall of Fame. Uh, there were a couple of of old guard, you know, early '80s, you know, uh, guys. Some of which have been highlighted in the documentary King of Kong about the guy who had the highest Donkey Kong record and the new guy who tried to challenge him. His name was Billy Mitchell. Was the old guy who was the douchebag? Billy Mitchell. Okay. So Billy Mitchell was the person. I'll get to Billy Mitchell in a second. So Billy Mitchell, you know, he was. Uh, considered, you know, not only a, a champion Donkey Kong player, but Pac-Man, another a classic, a lot of classic arcade games, and he held some records. But there was another man named uh, Todd Rogers. Todd Rogers apparently held world record scores for not only arcade games, but also Atari games and ColecoVision games and television games. Um, a lot of early '80s stuff, and he was in with the old guard. It was sort of a you know a click boys club kind of thing. Um, you know, because like our podcast, who gives a shit about <laughs> those types of things, especially in the early '80s? It was kind of like a CD nerdy kind of thing. It was a, it was a weird kind of hobby. Like nobody got that into arcade games except for maybe a few lonely losery guys. Um, Present, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> except you were able to play hockey, so not very well. <laughs> well, you know, well enough, well enough, my friend. Um, but anyways, so it came to light recently that one particular record that this Todd Rogers had claimed to have had and it held and had been certified by the Guinness Book of World Records was for an Atari 2600 game called Dragster. It was the first Activision game. Activision published games like Pitfall. Um, but their first game for the Atari was this game called Dragster. It was a split-screen game where you would compete against maybe a second player or just the computer or just try to get your best time you're this drag racer, and your goal was just to get a, as quick a time to the end as possible. Um, you know, by tapping your controller, and at certain intervals, you can shift gears faster and obtain a higher speed and get to the finish line quicker. Um, but it took like very high precision timing. Um, Todd Rogers had claimed to get to the um, end of the. Of the you know to get to the clear line by 5.51 seconds, they measured it in hundredths of seconds, and that had been like unheard of. Like wow, 5.51. That's you know Olympic trial uh, numbers. Uh, so he had a he had a Polaroid of his screenshot saying 5.51, and it was submitted, and you know it had gone down in history, and like I said, the Guinness Book of World Records certified it. So cut to maybe a year or so ago, um, there's, as, a, as other video game players know, there's things called emulators. They're computer programs that mimic the hardware of old systems like Atari, like even arcade games that you can play on computers. With these emulators, there are other things called tool assists. A tool assist... Hello! <laughs> ...is a program that essentially tries to play the game the best way possible. It, re it, um, it calculates the fast... Like, it's great for speed running. Like, if you want to mimic a speed run in, like, Super Mario Brothers, where you dodge every enemy and you get to the flag at the 
the the mathematically quickest time, a tool assist will calculate that for you in the program and in the emulator and then run it. Um, so this person recently had tried to match or better Todd Rogers' time in Dragster. He said 5.51, that's like an astronomical score because not astronomical so much, but because the, the second and third and fourth, you know, everybody tied for second essentially can only get to 5.57. Like There were multiple entries for 5.57. Nobody could break that, that 5.57 barrier. But Todd Rogers said he had 5.51, so this guy was like, hmm, maybe I can try to do it with a tool assist on an emulator. And, and, and it, again, doesn't sound like a lot. Right, but it, but it is it, right. It, it's it's you know, it, and it's curious because why would all these other champion players not be able to, after thirty five years, be able to surpass this number that, or or at least only get to a a a a, a slightly slower time? You know, like right. they're only hitting this one five point five seven. Why the seven? Why can't they get to point point one? Whatever. So this guy tries to you know mimic the time he 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 does like spreadsheets of all the possibilities and all the calculations long story short mathematically he determined it is impossible to get higher than 5.57 todd rogers is full of shit and he puts it out there on the internet um there's a guy named ben heck who he Who's a heck of a guy. He's a heck of a guy. He actually, so there's a guy named Ben Heck. Who, First time he's ever heard that. <laughs> he, uh, he does a video show on YouTube, and he and a couple of other engineers, they build like, like they'll crack open an Atari and try to make it do things that it can't do, or, you know, they'll try to do like a handheld Nintendo 64, you know, something. They'll, they'll monkey with, you know, video game stuff. So the challenge was put to him, can you make an Atari with some modifications and, you know, the, with, hooked up to a computer play dragster to try to beat Todd Rogers' record of 5.51 because this guy on the emulator couldn't do it on software. So Ben Hart, Ben Heck, who's a hardware guy, he's like, well, I'll take the challenge, you know? I really don't care about these old, this particular kind of old game, but it has to do with cracking open a game um, console. And you know what? Let's bring in Todd Rogers. He brings in Todd Rogers, the guy who is holding this record, as sort of a consultant on, on camera. And so they're testing it out. They have their rig set up. And there's ways where Ben Heck can input different variations in the software hooked up to the actual game to make it do different things at different times, like hitting the controller at different times. And they can't get to past 5.57. And Todd Rogers, the record holder, saying he had 5.51, is sitting there. And Ben's like, what do you think? Why do you think we can't do this? Like, what do you think we're doing wrong? And he's kind of squirmish on camera about like mm, i don't know because you know maybe you're you know we can make it i don't know if the, if it's if it's a thing you know he's kind of hemming and hawing and he's not quite sure he's no definitive answer so it's just sort of like another thing like wait a minute maybe this guy is kind of full of shit because there's but they didn't bring him up to they didn't no, bring him into sandbag him. no it wasn't a sandbag thing this was actually like that video was published actually a month or so before this story broke so long story short, I'm sorry, people, too fucking late. <laughs> they, the arbiters of Twin Galaxies, the new people, because Twin Galaxies was, old, you know, it was run by this older group of people. The old owner had sold it off to a new entity. They run the Twin Galaxies website. It's a younger generation. 
they're looking at this with a more fresh eye and they're trying to kind of distance themselves from the old guard because, you know, it's the, it's a newer generation. They're like, you know what? Um, there's empirical evidence that, A, not only is Todd Rogers full of shit on this particular dragster um, record, but his other high scores were ridiculous. Like, uh, there would be um, an, a television version of a Donkey Kong. The second place high score was, say, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but say the highest score was, like, a million points. His score was, like, six million points. Was Ditka helping him? <laughs> was Ditka playing the Intellivision? So, but that's the thing is that, and this went down the list. Lo and behold, of course, coincidence, Todd Rogers not only was a member of the Twin Galaxies, uh, he was he was not only like a client, he was also a referee. Like he was also, what's that? Like the hair club for men. Exactly. <laughs> he was also a, um, he was also in charge of inputting in high scores. Oh, coincidence! Hey, right. Hmm. So, yeah. So, and there were, and then we, when people would try to ask for the backup for all of his high scores, because when you submit a high score, you also supposed to submit a Polaroid or uh, a snapshot or a videotape. Bullshit. Nothing like it's all missing. It's all gone. I don't know where this is. Fake news. Alternative facts. Long. Long, again, I say that long story short, and I'm not editing this podcast, so sorry, folks. Um, the new uh, people who run Twin Galaxies are like, well, okay, all of Todd Rogers' high scores from now on are hereby eliminated. Gone. He ha- Todd Rogers has an asteroids next to his numbers. See what he did there? Now, this is a guy, <laughs> and, and, and what's interesting is mostly everybody listening doesn't probably fully understand these guys are celebrities in these worlds. Just like a Comic-Con, this guy for 35 years has been showing up at gaming things, signing things, doing He's in the Guinness Book of World Records, yeah. I mean, And he's making a living, or not a living, but a signed thing out of it. No, I bet he's a living. I mean, because like, you know, when I was telling you, when I was at Comic-Con down in Rhode Island a little while ago, they had the main signing thing where you would have to wait for like Christopher Lloyd and you had to pay 50 bucks and wait in line for like two, three hours to get his autograph. They had all these people who were like the second, the the husband from Married with Children, not the not the, the first one, right. not the second one, yeah, not yeah. the more famous one, who the first three seasons. The I guy mean, who played Steve. Yeah. I mean, you pay, pay 20 bucks to wait in line for him for five minutes, you know, but these guys, I mean, Somewhere, like like your buddy, Pat Country, somewhere this weekend, he is somewhere at a festival convention, the one that you go to in Connecticut. So these guys make... They do the rounds. They, they do rounds, and they probably make a six-figure salary, you know, six-figure mm. living. I don't know about that, probably but they probably... Six, no, you get... I guess if you're, you get to a certain caliber, but yeah. They're, they're, you, you, look, having booked so many of these things, these low-level guys are making five, seven, fifty, ten grand, depending on where they're going, yeah. you know, to to show up at one of these yeah. things. So so for 35 years, this guy's been living off a falsified Polaroid. Yeah, exactly, and m- many others. And he was just basically, you know, um, gaming the system. I don't know, but... So, and you have to think about it in perspective. Like in the '80s, they're probably like, "Well, no, who's going to check? Nobody cares." You know. Well, that was the, so King of Kong. Um, what is the subtitle of the movie? A fistful of quarters. That's it. Okay, <laughs> which is so great. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole thing with that. It, it's a great documentary, which we've talked about a number of times on this podcast. But Mitchell, his whole thing was he wouldn't let 
people submit a VHS tape. You had to play it in person. And then when his record was broken, um, he submitted a videotape. Yeah, and that was that documented in the movie. So recently, it had been discovered. And th- talk about Zapruder tape, like scrutiny of the videotape. People in the community have scrutinized the videotape that he submitted to get to his world record number. Um, and they analyzed and determined, and based on, again, empirical evidence, um, that he was not playing on actual hardware. He was not playing on a Donkey Kong machine. He was playing on a MAME emulator program. Now, what that means is that with MAME emulation, you can do things like you can kind of, you know, you can stop the progress, uh, you know, you, you can tweak your game, basically. Like, you can do the best of your game. Like, you can stop it at intervals and do, like, save states where you can pick it up where you left off and, you know, sew all the pieces well, together. Where, 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 it, somebody who doesn't get this, yeah. um, one of the hard things about getting these records is fatigue. Yeah. Because you're standing there. There is no breaks. There is no, like, in Ms. Pac-Man, yeah, you have... Every four or five levels, you have the little video that lasts three seconds. It's not like you can go get a drink of water, you can sit down. So if you can pause a game, yep, right, or say progress, yeah, exactly. You can do. You can. It's not the same as sitting at an actual machine. And so they determined based on the way the levels would refresh. Mame apparently takes it. Okay, uh, when you, the way a arcade machine on Donkey Kong would draw the image. It would draw it like you sw- like, almost like a Star Wars wipe. It would go from left to right kind of thing, you know, based on the way the hardware set up. MAME does it in puzzle pieces. Like they kind of, you know, if you slow it down, you can see that it's not wiped onto the screen from left to right, say, but all the images appear in like blocks and tiles in like uh, within an instant. But if you slow it down, you can see that it kind of puts it together like a puzzle. It's like like a film versus video where film is 24 still pictures yeah. over a second where a video image is 30 scans over a second. Right, and it's, it gets really technical, but long story short, sorry, too late. They figured out that based on the video footage that he submitted, they can tell that it was not done by an actual arcade machine. It was done by an emulator and therefore should be invalidated. Um, and what had happened is Twin Galaxies, again, said, you know what? All of Billy Mitchell's top scores are, you know, especially for Donkey Kong, are going to be thrown out and reevaluated. Um, and that that means, though, that officially Steve Wiebe, the other guy who challenged Billy Mitchell in the documentary, he is now considered to be the first player in history to break the one million point mark. Not Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell, because of that videotape was claimed to have break, broken the one million point mark. Steve Wiebe now is considered to be the real champion. And, and how does he address that on his taxes? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I was just looking on Amazon, and I'm ordering a video game whistle. So now, let's take a break from video game talk and get to this week's random video game review of the week. Yay! <laughs> so Jacques is going to go over to my Nintendo Entertainment System wall and grab an old-fashioned Nintendo game from my collection, my prized collection, worth at least $300. And he's also grabbing the book Ultimate Nintendo, A Guide to the NES Library, 1985-1995, to written by Pat Contry, because we love him so. Now, based on the whole, on the wall, I'm going to say that... (laughs) Okay, 
think how that sounds. Let's, let's stop for I said a second. hole on the wall. So, officer, I was just minding my own business, sticking my penis in this hole in the wall, when this sick son of a bitch comes along and... You know what? Sadly, I could probably put my penis through that hole where the Nintendo Entertainment System <laughs> game used to be, goddammit. Uh, he took a game that's not Lunar Pool. It's not Little Mermaid. It's somewhere between L-I and L-U. Uh, what is it? Uh, is it Load Runner? No, it is not. Oh, little uh, no, it's not. Uh, uh, little Nemo? Is it Little Nemo? Oh yay! I got it. Little Nemo Dream Master. This is a Capcom game. It's uh, made by the same people who made Ducktales and Mega Man and Ducktales. Woo! Yeah, the Ducktales video game. It's um, it's a it's a very good game. I don't I haven't played it a whole lot. I have played it in the past. Um, it's nice. You're this. A uh, little boy who is in this, this sort of dream world, and you have to, you know, um, you know, collect candy and uh, fight monsters. And I think there are like monsters that help you along the way that you like. You like you ride on the back of like a dinosaur kind of monster, and it's cute. It's fun. Um, I can't uh, give it a full fledged review because it's been so long. But I do know that it's a game that I do want to get back to someday when I. Again, can't move my legs and can't do anything else but play video games. And my as, or as you call it, heaven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just you know, plug me into the matrix so I can play these games all day long. I'm gonna say that Pat gave it a three and a half. No, three and a half stars. Yeah, I'm gonna be gent. I'm gonna generous with this. He gave it four stars. He was much more generous. Did he do the review? No, it's done by another person who I'm, uh, I'm not familiar with. But their review is. Capcom's beautiful and creative platformer perfectly captures the essence of a child's overactive imagination and does so with a fun set of mechanics and a catchy soundtrack. Trapped in slumberland, Nemo is armed with only candy to stun his enemies, but his most powerful weapons are animals that can be bribed to help him make it through eight tough war, uh, imaginative levels. So, yeah, it's a good game, and I'm sure it goes for a decent amount on the ebays i'm gonna guess twenty dollars oh well it was oh nine nine nine. okay ten but bucks. for a four for a four star pat country disc you figure <laughs> disc this is my friend some, is I'm a sorry, cartridge um hand me your nerd car oh well, you don't have one jeez apologies um okay so um we're not good because we're running out of town um last 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 thing in the video world um and let's tie it in with the sports talk. Uh, last year, we talked about, after the Super Bowl, the anxiety I got when Joe had sent me the Techno Bowl recap of the show. Uh, tell, tell about the Techno Bowl uh, 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 text that you sent me today. Oh, that was so stupid. No, Vice Sports, you know, Vice, they do those uh, alternative news kind of, you know, investigative reporting kind of things. They also have a sports column. And... There was an article about Tecmo Super Bowl and how it changed, really, fans' perspectives towards football. Like, it was all about the teams in the past, but then, because of the game, you could get down to the minutia of the players, and the players were lauded, and it's all about the stats. Stats became the name of the game, which then spawned... The precursor in, to... Fantasy football. Yeah. So... You know, the the author goes on to say how he, you know, took out his cartridge and played it, and it was great, and... 
um, you know, it brought back memories and it was, you know, mixes, it's a fun blend of arcade and simulation and, you know, it rides that line perfectly. Um, and then at the end of his glowing review, let me see if I can get it on my phone because I, I, I don't want to misquote him. He says um, to sell the point of playing Tecmo Super Bowl again is that um, also the Patriots are the worst team in the game, so that's a good reason to play it too. <laughs> and it's like, which, Jesus which, Christ, <laughs> we can't get away, not even in a video game review. Are people going out of their way? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they just, ah. Right, and well, you know, I mean, Steve Grogan, ninety-one. Hey, you know, <laughs> but uh, so that so that wraps that up, and uh, and and so uh, uh, we're going you, we're going to do a sideshow this week. Um, Joe and I have talked about this before. When we drove across country in '96, we we had I don't know if you had it or if I had it, but the box set from the National Lampoon Radio Hour. That was you that introduced me to it. You're welcome. Thank you. A National Improved Radio Hour. And we listened to the the whole goddamn thing across country. And there were times where you literally had to pull over because it hurt. Like it like tears streaming down the sides of our face absolutely hurt. And when we you know worked the Jets game a few months ago, we we were gonna be in the car four hours each way. So on the way there we listened to it and it you know, Joe had edited it down from the box set like the best of and it was Absolutely great. It was absolutely great. But I, we're going to do that sideshow because to tie in the sideshow plug with this week's Netflix review, I'll let Joe, because Joe's the one who texts me saying, stop what you're doing. <laughs> Watch this. And and Joe knows that, that this time of the year, uh, again, with the Patriots, I am consuming a good 14 hours a day of of media coverage of the Super Bowl. So you're malnourished with Patriots. I really, I mean, I'm only up 12 hours a day. How do I consume 14? Osmosis. But Joe's like, stop, stop watching Patriots. Watch this docudrama. I had stumbled upon a new Netflix movie, original movie, called A Futile and Stupid Gesture, starring Will Forte as Doug Kenny. Who's Who- Doug Kenny? Uh-huh. Doug Kenny, co-founder of the Harvard Lampoon, which became National Lampoon. Uh, and we all know who National Lampoon are. Uh, they, they obviously got famous, world famous from their magazine, uh, their satirical magazine. So it was like Mad Magazine slash porn. You know, it was like right, it was right. Mad Magazine for adults. For adults, adults. right. Uh, it's, you know, and it, you know, it took on the man. It took on, it was, this was from, you know, early, early 70s. Um it got, it got sued by everybody. Yeah, right. I mean, they, their ads, they would have fake ads for Volkswagen where oh. it, was, it was perfect. It was, it was a shot of... No, no Volks- keep in mind, this is 74. Cl- earlier, Se- 72. So okay. uh, whenever the... Um, the Chappaquiddick. Whenever the Chappaquiddick event happened, there's a, uh, an image of a Volkswagen Beetle partially submerged in water. And what, would it, what was the tagline? It was like, if they had... Driven a um, if they had not been driving or if they had been, been driving a Volkswagen, Volkswagen she would be, be alive, alive right? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it was you know floating. Anyways, an example that we butchered right here on Carnival Personnel of their masterful humor, but they also spawned the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which was a uh, one year, maybe two years, about a year and a half, like last like 13, 14 months, right? But it it starred and launched the careers, I would say. 
Um, or it was it sparked the launch of their careers. It was pre Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray, pre Saturday Night Live, Cherry, Chevy, uh, Gilda, B- Belushi. Um, uh, you had Christopher Donahue. G- yeah. Oh, Michael O'Don- Michael O'Donohue, who uh, co-wrote Caddyshack with Doug Kenny. But but he was the first SNL. So this is two, and we'll talk about it in the podcast. But this is the, this the last the this documentary, and it it also shows. Spoiler alert. Um, so the last New Lampoon Radio Hour lasts a little over a year. A year later, they start Saturday Night Live, and truly, the entire cast, both the writing and the performers, I think everybody in the cast. Happen a lampoon, yeah, right, or they, lemmings, right, and they just kind of went over to this new show. Um, and Doug Kenny tried to even, you know, he uh, Doug Kenny had kind of flaked out or he couldn't get it, he couldn't get it together to put together a television show. So Lauren Michaels kind of, well, yeah, well, I mean, he wanted to do like the magazine was doing really good. His partner, he, you know, his partner and him, you know, had a deal. They were going to do this for five years and get bought out, and. It was going well, and then they started a live show, The Lemmings, that did really well. And then he's like, let's do an old-fashioned radio show thing, make you know, a variety show, blah, blah, blah. And it did really, really well. In a shorter period of time, Kenny gets burned out. He kind of goes off the deep end. Um, he had pitched doing a TV show, but he couldn't get the support for it. But two years later, Saturday Night Live. And again, it's not just the cast members and the performers. It's he took the whole writing staff. And Kenny was um was was incensed. Was, yeah, yeah and, devastated. Yeah, and he was devastated. So to move on, fast forward a couple of years, he goes on and writes Animal House. Animal House. Which know? he's in. Yeah. Which which is great. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, he has makes a small cameo in Animal House. But then he also his his swan song, as it were, was Caddyshack. Um that was the last movie that he was involved in because, spoiler, um, he checks off the planet mysteriously at age 33, shortly after No, let me see that. Stop. He died at age 33. Just like Jesus. <laughs> when we were talking about that earlier, Joe said that and it killed me. Yeah, but the, the, the interesting perspective of this particular biopic, A, the casting is great because it's all comedy nerds from like the... You know they're they're in their forties, but like these are guys from like the state. These you know Will Forte and uh, Seth Green um, plays Christopher Guest. A couple other faces you'll recognize. Who plays Chevy Chase? <laughs> Joel McHale, who co-starred with Chevy Chase on Community. Um, yeah, I think he steals the movie, in my opinion. He's. Uh... You know, and and it's great because we're 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 fans of we're we're just common yards, and it's funny that Cherry. I think Cherry Chase has to be the most unliked, once likable performer ever. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a shame, but you know he's portrayed fairly in this movie, and um and then but the the other device that that's interesting in this movie is that it's narrated by an older Doug Kenny that does not exist, which which I did not know that he. Uh, he died. He died, and he, he, he died under. He he either died <laughs> hiking in hiking in Hawaii. Hiking in Hawaii. His body was found at the bottom of a cliff, and uh, they weren't sure whether he fell or jumped. And of course, Harold Ramis is who Harold Ramis also worked with Doug Kenny on National Lampoon, and and it was you know in Caddyshack, um, the director of Caddyshack. He uh, his he famously said of Doug Kenny's death, he probably fell. Looking for a place to jump. <laughs> to which other people said, the only shame is Cherry wasn't with him. 
<laughs> but yeah, we're gonna. Uh, so we just spoiled it. We, actually, we didn't spoil it. No, because we're gonna talk about the radio hour. We're gonna talk about the radio hour on our sideshow. But go s- watch a futile and stupid gesture. It's a throwaway line from I think um, from is it with is it in Animal House? Is it a yeah. line in Animal House? And, and what's really fun? It's it's a movie and it's a biopic and not everything is a hundred percent accurate. And they go way out of their way to let you know it's not a hundred percent accurate. Right. So they did a really good job capturing the spirit of the lampoon so much so that this is a very meta movie there's a lot of jokes within jokes uh there's a lot of in humor there's a lot of references and then it's just a, it's just a great vibe and i liked it a lot and, and yeah is it like two-thirds away through the movie um martin mole says well that's not exactly how that happened we took a liberties here and there. It's a couple movies. Here's a couple other things that aren't 100 percent accurate. And the scroll comes up, <laughs> and, and you can and and it zips by like you know you know 100 miles an hour. But it's just you can freeze frame it, watch the whole movie, and then go back, or you can see the whole scroll online. And they talk about you know they they had written a book that they show in the movie called Aboard of the Rings, which is a Lord of the Rings parody. That it showed that they wrote it their senior year in college, and actually they wrote it the year after they got out of college type little things like that but they're like well this role this skit was actually this person or that person but it is it's it's well it's a great hour and a half what was the one bullet point from the corrections that maybe struck you the most was it like everybody that appeared right (laughs) so there's a scene there's a scene where martin mole's walking down the street and and he's like Oh, and here's some of these other, you know, they were talking about some of the the head writers and the key writers at the formation of the magazine. And he goes, and then there was this guy, this guy, and he lists off about 10 other writers. And these guys in 70 garb, you know, start to surround him. And Martin Mull looks around and goes, but this this is a this is a documentary, not a series. We don't have time to get into your backstories. And all the people, you know, put their head down and go walking away. And then a black couple comes by and goes, wait. You didn't have any black writers? No. He goes, um, so there were no funny black people in the 70s. He goes, there were. What did he say? We, we, we just didn't look or something like that. But hey, in our defense, there also wasn't a lot of Jews. <laughs> and so when the scroll came up, the, the scroll that Joe, did you actually find the? Well, the line that I said that I caught my eye was, Everyone was a lot more sexist and racist than they appear to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they called themselves out in it, but then they went out of their way to say, yeah, we made a joke of this, but these guys were really bad. <laughs> yeah, right. This is the light version of what you would have gotten with the original guys. Um, so so sticking on the Lampoon thing, there was, they redo a couple of the skits from the radio hour. And I said to Joe, are these comedians doing it or... Or lip syncing. Or they lip sync because they nail. There's one. There's one skit about Ed Sullivan that we'll talk about on the sideshow. Uh, so hopefully, oh, uh, you got a parenting tip for the week? Uh, make your podcasts under an hour. Oh wait, that's not a parenting <laughs> tip. That's a podcasting tip. <laughs> uh, my parenting tip is if your ten year old wants to add a game to your PS4 um parental supervision is advised because we had a meltdown in which I had to call Joe for a 911 because the little guy uh whose life whose entire life is Overwatch like he goes to school he has an Overwatch backpack and Overwatch he's like me with Patriot Carp like head to toe his gloves everything he accidentally almost erased 2 years of you know, Overwatch building up his thing, trying to put a new thing on, and he had to make room, and he must have hit like I don't, I don't know how he did it because so he probably hit the lead application and then it was right, gone. Well, but but it's like 
do you want to delete this? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Then a prompt comes up. Hey, asshole, you're not going to get this back if you delete it. Are you fucking sure you want to do this? He must have hit yes. Like he had that that when Homer got the little bird to do his work and it just kept hitting yes, yes, the Y button. Uh, he must have done that. So so keep your kids away from that. Um, I pray that there's a podcast next week because um, – why? If things didn't go the way I think they're going to go, I hope about... a, Let me just say this for the record. I hope there's a Jacques next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not an inaccurate statement. Yes, because <laughs> in one day, two hours and 21 minutes, things might go... Yeah, I don't want to be subjected to somebody who is as abjectly depressed as I am. <laughs> you know, I'm the depressed guy. You can't be the depressed guy. I'm the depressed guy. Uh, well, there's that, and do not forget... 